Hi, and welcome to the Mark McSee Supersonic Food Marketing Podcast. Every week, we will talk to the great, the good, and the legendary from the worlds of food, drink, marketing, and business to help give you the advice that will really help your brand boom. A huge thanks to our headline sponsors, the award-winning Engage Interactive. Engage Interactive have been helping hospitality businesses like yours prepare for a mobile and digital first world since 2007. From Supersonic Inc., this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. So today it's boiling in Brighton and I'm housebound, chained to my desk, doing lots of admin and emails and outreach to new prospective clients. Just one of those normal business as usual days. But to record this, you've got to shut all the windows, put the fans off. So it's not a pretty sight, dear listener. Anyway, today I speak to Stephen Alton, who's the CEO of the BII, who are there to inspire, educate and support all licensees and give them a voice to protect our real national treasures, the great British pubs and bars all across the country. Stephen and his team work tirelessly to serve their 8,500 members and help them grow their businesses make hospitality a more attractive proposition for careers and guide this industry through the tricky times that we're facing right now. So it gives me the most great British pub pleasure ever to introduce my next guest and a new friend, actually. We've had some quite good long chats in the last few days. It is Stephen Alton, who is the CEO of the BII. Hello. Hello, Mark. How's it going? Very well. Very, very warm as we as we speak. <laughs> yeah, it's not good for a Scotsman. I'll tell you that. Um, I'm I'm having severe. It's it's actually not lockdown that's keeping me in. It's just the big ball of fire that's uh, that's in the sky at the moment. You know, <laughs> it's just I'm a sweating mess um, doing this. But yeah, but it's great to talk to you, and you know, obviously great to talk to you the other day as well. Like, it felt like we could have talked for ages. So. I'm really excited for this podcast. So I I guess we'll start a little bit in now and then we might track back a wee bit. But at the moment, you're obviously the CEO at the BII. So for anyone that doesn't know about the BII and what it does um, and you know what your role entails, it'd be quite good to chat about that. Absolutely. Yeah, so the, the BII has been around uh, almost 40 years. It'll be 40 years next year. Um, it is a professional membership organization for individuals um, in licensed trade and the wider hospitality. Um, a lot of our members are licensees, um, and many of those run um, single pubs as well. So very much uh, a core element of our membership uh, are the heartland of, of great British traditional pubs. Um, I, I came to this role, um, I think it was described as a dream job by a radio interview that I, uh, that I had. Um, I wouldn't have probably described it quite as that at that point in time where as this was uh, pre-getting the pubs back open again. But uh, yeah, in essence, look, I'm, I'm a lifelong, passionate pub goer. Uh, I do love beer. It, it's not a throwaway line for me. It's, it's something I enjoy enormously. Um, for my sins, I'm um, hopefully partaking in a Peddling for Pubs Challenge next year in Jordan. It was supposed to be in this year. Um, and uh, it's been postponed, obviously, with, uh, with what's going on. Um, but you know, for me, you know, doing long cycle rides is only really worth it by landing at a pub at the end and having a really good pint. Um, 
so that that one's uh, combined my interest. Unfortunately, I don't think Jordan quite have the range of Great British pubs. Yeah, <laughs> so, I was going to ask you what has Brewdog opened there yet, or what's going on? I'm, I'm sure they have a plan. <laughs> you know, but yeah, I think I think I've been missold. Uh, there's a pub on every corner in Jordan. But there we go. Um, yeah, so you know, lifelong uh, passionate supporter of pubs. Um, really, I've been running technology businesses probably for you know almost thirty years. Um, everything from you know uh, IT and software and communication, security, monitoring things, and all that good stuff. And and for the last ten years, I've been uh, providing technology into the uh, hospitality sector. And and through that time, just realised what a special place hospitality is in terms of you know, what it does, how it does it, the friendliness, the, you know, the willingness to share, you know, innovation, great ideas, and just some great people. So um, thought I've landed in the right space. Um, I, I volunteered my time to the BII as a, uh, a trustee, um, trying to help out, you know, obviously beyond my day job. And through that, um, saw more of what, what the BII was doing and, and what it was intending to do going forward. So um, the opportunity arose to lead the BII, so I resigned as a trustee. Um, I put my job application in. Um, I was interviewed, and here I am. So um, I, I started the back end of last year um, in a in a transition with the outgoing chief exec, and and really took the the reins fully, pretty much a few days before the pandemic dropped. So um, yeah, timing is everything, eh? But um, in a sense, that was great because it's um, you know the 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 fabulous thing about the BII is, is a team that I, you know, have the pleasure of working with day in day out, who are as equally passionate about pubs um, and just genuinely grounded people want to help um, people with their businesses and with their challenges. Um, so to join that team and see how they performed and supported our members through the last four months uh, has been a, you know, a, an absolute pleasure and privilege. So, yeah, um, interesting timing for me, but in a sense. Um, it was very important um, you know, in BII's history, probably the most important stage of it, I would argue, in terms of how we helped our members through the last few months. So what does success look like for you in this role over the next few years? And what does success look like for the BII and its members? You know, what are you focused on? I, I mean, at the heart of it, it has to be um, the value we drive for members. It, it's, it's making sure we're we're relevant and really adding value because we're there to do fundamentally three things or, or help with three things. We, you know, we're there to help inspire our members and, and we do that by, you know, sharing their innovation, their best practice, their, their great ideas, which I said earlier um, is a really defining characteristic of the hospitality sector where people will openly share what are in any other sector competitors but are seen here as being friends and colleagues. And I think that, is uh, such a defining uh, characteristic, and everybody wins, which is which is superb. So, yeah, so inspiring through sharing, you know, those experiences uh, and that innovation, recognizing that as well. You know, the BI runs some great recognition platforms and awards, including our Licensee of the Year Award, where we we you know really pick out the very best operator and put them through an incredibly um, detailed assessment process as well. So it's an incredibly well earned. Um, award. Um, so a lot, of, a lot of, you know, connecting up, as I say, innovation. We're there to, to help develop as well. So if that's developing their thinking, their business, them as individuals. Um, we Again, we have a fabulous great capability in the awarding body. So we have uh, BI qualifications and apprenticeships that we, uh, we conduct as well. So many people who start in hospitality with things like their personal license, 
will have a certificate on their wall with a BII uh, stamp upon it. You know, it's their first touch point as they as they come into the industry. So, you know, we have a great um, opportunity and responsibility really to, I think, help, um, you know, ever more in that area around connecting your great career paths, which I'll probably come back to in a bit. And then the last one is all about support. So it's simple, actionable information that hopefully you would agree, you know, in the last four months, if you'd listened to the national press, if you'd listened to every piece of social media, it would have taken you nowhere. It would have absolutely confused you. It would not have been clear. And uh, above all, it, it would have not been factual. Um, so what we needed to do is to be that, that compass, if you, if you wish, for our members, for them to plot their way through this crisis. Um, you know, crisis for them, not just as businesses, but as employers, as their livelihoods. You know, many, many of our members their pub is their home, you know, so this is, this is a really, uh, you know, critical time for them. So, you know, we're pushing out information, we're making sure we're trying to simplify things um, so they can, they can act quickly on the most important thing that matters to them at that point. And then we have a, a suite of professional expert help desks. We actually have got eight help desks and got a whole remit of capabilities. So if you've got a general legal issue, You've got an employment law, you've got a, a business rates issue, a taxation issue, uh, particularly now an EHO issue. So anything to do with um, your guidelines, to do with COVID, to do with health and safety, fire, security. We've got experts at the end of the phone that are all free to use for members. Um, and we handpick these guys and make sure that they are the best of the best and they continue to you know, give great value. So one of the things that, that we've brought in over really the last six months is that insight. So keep checking back on the member experience to make sure they've got the very best value out of all the things that we do to make sure that, you know, it, it's, it's hitting the spot. So that's, you know, that's what we do. Um, what does success look, look like? At the heart of it is screaming advocates. You know, I've, I've, I've a long-standing passion that, you know, you don't need to sell your services if your members or your customers can sell it for you because they'll just recommend you. And we were, we were so humbled. Uh, we did a, a survey, a third survey, pretty comprehensive. Most of our surveys have been about 40 questions, asking our members about everything about their businesses and, and where they are at the various stages of the pandemic. And the last one we did, literally just a short few days ago, um, gave a 98% advocacy rating. So 98% of our members would recommend membership to other uh, individuals within the licensed trade. And that's what success looks like for me, Mark, if I'm being honest, because everything else then will come with that. You know, we are growing our membership. I have, uh, and the team has great aspirations that we can do more for more individuals. Um, so that's, you know, in the free trade space, I think there's, uh, it's a really tough area to be right now. And they're out there on their own. Uh, and we've got some fabulous free trade members. So I, th I think we could do more in that space. Um, and going forward, really start to develop our, our, our proposition and our services. So new entrants coming into hospitality or early stage in their careers can come to the BII to be their membership organization to support them through their career. Mm -hmm. so, it's, so it's signposting them through that, you know, giving them that insight, sharing that best practice. Um, and, and equally, you know, we have the, the strength of having um, the suite of qualifications uh, in our portfolio as well. So and if you want to come in and, you know, become a chef, fabulous. We can support you in that structured development. If you want to come in, again, front of house and end up, you know, running a venue or running a, a suite of venues. And you and I know some fabulous operators in this industry that, um, 
you know, came in at entry level and accelerated through to running really special businesses in a relatively short time. And I, and I would argue, and I do quite frequently, uh, much quicker than any other sector. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, the opportunity here is absolutely huge. The challenge will be in the short term, you know, we're in step two of the recovery, aren't we? We've, we've kind of gone through the survival um, kind of period of time, which is just about, you know, getting uh, pubs to be able to physically reopen their, their doors and not everyone has opened their doors as yet. And now we're in these early few baby steps of, of recovery on a pretty lo- long road. And, uh, you know, we, we need viable pub businesses to b- provide the employment uh, that we know we can do, I think, in quite a unique way within the sector. From Supersonic Inc., this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. The Mark McSee Supersonic Food Marketing Podcast is also brought to you by BDO, the trusted accountancy and advisory firm. As the finance experts in hospitality, BDO have the experience and the insight to provide solid foundations for your business's future growth. BDO really are the go-to team to help your hospitality business succeed. If you're in need of a dedicated transactional team bolstered with corporate finance, audit and tax services, Talk to BDO, who've got the right expertise, knowledge and experience to drive your restaurant or bars business throughout their full life cycle. As thought leaders across the sector, BDO offers commercial and technical updates specifically tailored to restaurants and bars, including their annual hospitality reports. BDO also have a well-established network in the industry that spans across finance directors, suppliers and advisors, and they are always willing to use this to their clients and their contacts' advantage. Get in touch today at bdo.co.uk to chat about how they can help take your hospitality business to the top. And please say that I sent you. And what's the sort of breadth of your membership then? You know, is it, um, you know, single operators through to, you know, sort of larger groups, but it's the licensee for that group? Or, you know, what's the breadth of the, the members you've got? Yeah, we, we've got um, around 8,500 members currently and, and growing. We have some professional members um, who join because they, they want to be part of a professional membership organisation for the sector. Um, the majority are um, licensees and operators. About a third are free trade. Um, a third operate under a tenancy agreement uh, with a, a pub co or a, a brewer, and about a third are um, have a lease uh, in the various shapes and sizes of those as well. So a pretty broad church of um, licensee members. Uh, of those, about eighty-eight um, percent uh, there thereabouts run single sites, single pubs. So very much your traditional British pub, uh, and increasingly we see more and more small multiples as well, um, because as always, you know, great operators. Um, are sought out for further opportunities to to expand their their group as well. So um, yeah, I, I'd say you know a, a pretty strong representation across the the wider pub market. And what was the cost again? Because I remember you told me, and I was like, "Is that all?" Like I was really surprised at how cheap it was and how more people aren't doing it. Absolutely. So so it's a hundred and fifty five pounds uh, plus VAT a year. Um, oh. So you get access to so all of that. Uh, that great stuff that I spoke about. In addition, you'll get our quarterly uh, BII news, and we have some uh, some fabulous contributors. I think even in, we may have having your good self contributing some thoughts 
yep. to, to our readership as well. Um, but again, you know, that, that magazine, you know, high quality, very much about actual information, um, sharing best practice, innovation. I mean, the last one just, just, you know, went out. And it's very much about diversification uh, right now and doing everything you possibly can, um, you know, within your pub to take the opportunity. Um, and we're seeing some great operators who, you know, during lockdown did things like, you know, takeaways and deliveries, but um, some of them are very much stuck with that recognizing that they saw new customers you know via that route and see it as a viable part of a of a broader offering as they go forward a pint a week effectively you get you know your eight expert outlines you get uh, the bi news we send you specific um uh, membership emails every week on um you know guides to key activities so it could be how do you claim back your um eat out to help out um funds you know, obviously prior to that, it was how do you, again, process furlough payments, get hold of your grants, etc. So stuff that, you know, really matters. Um, so we try and be the antidote to, as I say, the white noise that you would get uh, if you read general press and everything in between. Um, so you get that as well. Um, obviously, our membership team themselves are there to help. Sometimes um, our members aren't entirely sure what type of help. They just need help. And we've got a really experienced team uh, who, who will pick that call up and, and really try and guide them through and help them with the, uh, um, you know, the support that they need at that point. So a pretty rich offer. Um, in addition, you know, we run the summer, summer event. We were, you know, obviously uh, really disappointed we were unable to do that this year. Uh, we are very hopeful of, of that for next year because it will be, as I said, our celebratory summer event, uh, 40 years as a membership organization, uh, which is worth celebrating. Um, and at that event, we celebrate the uh, the winner of the Licensee of the Year Award. Again, um, we've we've really uh, invested heavily in that process. So um, for those that get through into the final stages, they'll probably get one of the most comprehensive um, reviews of their business, independent review of their business that you know the money could buy. Except for them, they'll be getting it free of charge. So they get the mystery shoppers, they get the online audit to make sure that they're you know. All things online and digital are are reflecting, the, you know, what they what they are as a pub and the opportunity. Um, through to, uh, as I say, we get in the kitchen, we open the cupboards, uh, we eat the food, we interview the individuals, and then we put them through, through a pretty grueling panel interview process for a whole day uh, with our partners at, at Sky uh, down on their campus as well. So um, the finalists absolutely have earned their spurs to get there. Um, and it's incredibly, always incredibly difficult to choose the very best of the best. Um, but we have to make that decision. And uh, I was very fortunate to go out um, uh, last week to see um, the winners from 2019. Um, so Mark and David um, from the railway at, uh, at um, uh, Loudoun, um, superb operators. And uh, I'll, I'll come back to some of the things they said a little bit later. But, um, you know, real exemplars of... Um, real focus pub business and hospitality at, at the heart of what, everything they do um so yeah so uh, to your question mark we do quite a lot i think we can still do more and the key is we're just constantly checking in with our members on what's working what else they'd like to see and that's why our surveys particularly over recent months have been so key so we can um keep adapting what we do the other thing we do as well clearly right now is take their voice into government and make sure that government is in no doubt uh, that there's a, a very 
um, clear and authentic licensee voice within their considerations. So we take that into bays, into the government ministers, um, into our MPs um, and a lot of other influencing groups as well. And we're working with the other trade bodies to make sure we've got one absolute aligned position, um, not just on short-term support, but support that's going to be needed over the next 18 to, you know, to 24 months. In terms of the survey side of things, are you working with someone on that or is it just an in-house thing? No, we, we absolutely do it. You know, we're a very, very small team. You know, my, my team remind me constantly uh, as I uh, bring them the next big idea of things that we want to push on. Um, but no, we do all, all in-house. We, we run the survey ourselves. Um, we do all the analytics uh, and, and ultimately report um, all from our in-house team. Oh, that's good. And then I was just wondering, doing some maths there while you were talking, can you tell me where you get a pint for two ninety eight, and I'll come along? <laughs> now, bear in mind, I live in Derbyshire, and it has, <laughs> it has been known. I have a very keen eye for my local rural pubs that, that give great value. So I, I will take you there at some point, Mark. <laughs> um, and then what have you found since starting the role? You know, obviously you came in at this interesting time, but and obviously you're a, a technologically savvy expert. Um, well, what have you found and, and what changes would you like to sort of get behind? Yeah, I, look, I, I found um, a huge generosity uh, in spirit of, of everybody I've interacted with, but that's that's you know that's what triggered my interest in hospitality and um, you know taking this role or you know having the privilege to be able to, to take this role and lead lead the team, um, and that's continued despite um, the hardship. You know to see operators. Um, just doing things because it's the right thing to do. Um, you know, if that's helping um, vulnerable people, cooking up meals for, you know, um, disadvantaged within the locality, providing community services um, at a time where they had no income, you know, and they had massive uncertainty about how they were actually going to get through this and be able to open the doors whenever that was going to be. Because obviously for a long time, there was no certainty about the reopening date. So, you know, a real sense of, of pride, um, a, a real sense of um, concern. You know, I, again, uh, a lot of uh, operators that you know I've known very you know for a long time now and, and hugely respectful of who who'd built up businesses um, over years and years and years and saw the value of what they'd done almost destroyed overnight, and that's 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 tough because this isn't just a business. This isn't just a job they go to. It, it's it's life and soul. It's uh, it's a vacation as much as a um, a, a career, um, and a lot of them uh, it is their livelihood. You know, the, the a lot of the family members will work within the within the pubs of the groups as well. Uh, and it was just the stark reality of, of of you know what this pandemic was was doing to them. But despite that, just seeing the positivity and seeing you know people at their very best. Um, and I'll, I'll I'll pick on probably one example, but you know the Yummy Pubs team who I know very well. Um, the work they did with only a pavement away uh, with a fantastic team that um, Greg uh, works with and leads down there um, was absolutely outstanding, you know, and their, their team, you know, came back um, to give their time voluntarily just to be engaged in something that really was making a difference. Um, and that's probably my, I suppose, my overriding uh, memory and reflection, if you like, despite all of the um, incredible hardship, um, you know, again, hospitality, yeah, does what it says on the tin. Definitely. I mean, I think yeah, Tim and, Tim and Anthony and that you know team 
they were real exemplars in, in what to do and how to do it. And it sort of, it all, you know, it just didn't feel commercially calculated at all. It was, they did it because it's the only thing they knew how to do, but they just amplified that, you know, um, just and just went big. And then as the results you're seeing, um, you know, as he's reporting on um, LinkedIn and Twitter often, He's coming on the podcast soon to talk about it all. I mean, just, just you know, unbelievable. But, you know, it, it seems like it took that amount of effort and work um, to do it. And where these people are getting the energy from and the motivation and the positivity when, you know, times are pretty tough, you know, was was just humbling, really. You know, you just couldn't believe what they did and, and how they even left their families in some points, you know, to go and, self-isolate the people to, to go and make it work, you know, it's just, Absolutely. I couldn't believe it. And, and if at the very least, you know, I can go and cycle over some, you know, ridiculous mountains in Jordan to raise a few quid to, you know, to really make, you know, continue that fantastic work, then, it, you know, it's the, it's the very least that I can do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. And look, you know, they've continued to do it as well. It's not just been a, you know, something of lockdown. You know, a lot of these um, operators have continued that um, that activity and are fully committed to it. And and this is a time where there's a very mixed trading picture out there. You know, you know, we're talking in obviously early days of reopening. We, we've got um, you know the the opportunity of the staycation, the weather. Um, you know, obviously, the government incentives. Um, obviously, it's mixed in terms of impact across the wider pub um, community. But all of that has obviously created. A buzz and you can you know it's fabulous to see people out and about again and, and back in pubs and you know equally though whilst those pubs some of them some of them are full uh, but they're full to a much lesser capacity than they were before so many of them are trading down significantly on where they were uh, obviously without any distancing in place and for the vast majority of them and definitely the vast majority of our members uh, it means that many are still loss making so you know we're not out of this yet. This is this is the first few steps, um, and they have increasingly, you know, uh, concerns around what happens next. You know, when when the weather starts to turn, when the children go back to school um, in early September. You know, the the levels of trade right now. What will be sustainable? You know, what are they going to get pulled through into the September, October, November trading? Um, because that will be absolutely critical to the to the success of their business um, moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I, I think what's going to happen after that honeymoon period of August um, is, is going to be really interesting. Um, I was thinking the other day how it was quite funny in a way, like the great British public, where it's like, you know, I'm not going out, you know, I don't want to catch anything. I'll give you a tenner. I all right? <laughs> you know, and people just went out the wind for it. But I think the you know the downside obviously is that for pubs then obviously it's not on you know alcoholic drinks and things like that. There are some pubs that have done that though um, at their own cost. Um, there's a couple in Brighton which have said you know fifty percent off and that includes drinks yeah. and eating you know which you know might not be too bad a move to to put your foot down. Um, you know so that that's quite kind of interest for that bit. You know, what, what did you see then as people were opening up again and, you know, abiding by the rules or, well, the guidance rather than the rules, yeah. how people were interpreting it, what you saw in your travels, you know, what what was going on? Yeah, absolutely. I, I've been very fortunate to, one, um, 
I've been to quite a few pubs since it reopened. Um, look, in the main, we've got um, some incredibly professional, well-managed pubs. You know, in terms of of all the environments that that you can be in, um, you know, you should have real confidence that that you are in these places that you know have strong adherence to the guidelines are doing all the right things and i think they started incredibly strong i think they they did everything in terms of adaptation you know it, it cost them you know there's a there's a varying amount of uh, investment required depending on how the pubs viewed their own risks and what they thought they needed to do if that was again involving screens or you know one-way systems or uh, investing in technology to allow people to kind of order and pay from from where they sat um so you know this was not this was not a small step. And then obviously there was restocking on that as well. So I think they came out of the traps incredibly well. Not everybody did. You know, we always said um, from our members' feedback that we thought one in 10 would still struggle to open when, you know, with one metre distancing in place. Uh, obviously it was, it was a lot higher at two metres. So we were pleased that there was um, that mitigation given. Equally though, um, you know, those haven't opened yet and they, and they are only just starting to come online. And some... I don't think still will whilst any distance is in place because they're traditional pub layouts and they're absolutely not designed to keep people apart, quite the reverse. So there's a, you know, they've, they've done pretty well. I think the danger right now, um, and we've seen a few notable cases, is complacency. And that's definitely something that I think our, our members are really concerned about, that there is a, a relaxation on the guidelines, particularly track and trace. Um, Track and trace was such an important thing for us to do because if we could play our part fully in that, uh, it would allow any uh, outbreaks to be really localised and dealt with rapidly, which would prevent you know wider lockdowns that we've seen you know obviously initially in Leicester and then around some of obviously the northern towns as well. And and we've got to make sure that we're doing everything possible. And that's that's a dilemma right now uh, and i've been out there with a number of operators who are incredibly busy a lot of them have less staff than they had before because they they can't afford the uh, the salaries they've still got people on on furlough at this point um and they've got a lot of demand you know the um the eat out scheme has made a real difference uh, obviously the uh, the vat also um allows some operators to flex things around which which also has a positive impact um, but yeah, just dropping the guard now, I, I think, is a real risk um, in terms of making sure that they're, they're fully adhering to everything they need to do. Um, and many still are. Many are doing an absolutely fantastic job. My own experience, you know, from temperature check to taking my name, taking me to the table, um, some real innovation as well. You know, those operators that have really thought about what does a, a new operator model look like. So they've stripped stuff back. So things like menus, you know, they've, they've stripped it back, but they've not taken um, a great experience or, uh, you know, taken great food off the menu. They've just thought about doing it more efficiently and effectively. And also they need to serve quicker because they have got less capacity. And ideally they need to turn over uh, the slots they do have available um, quicker than they ordinarily would do. And, and some operators, you know, who have, who've, gone forward, if you like, with full menus that they've um, had before, uh, obviously put themselves under tremendous pressure. Um, and you want to give a great experience. You want to make sure that, you know, those customers that, as you described, you know, I'll give you 10 quid off and suddenly they, they change their mind about coming out. You know, that, that's, that's going to put their mind at ease. You want them to be lifelong customers. You want them to come in and go, do you know what? I've not been here before. This is great. You know, 
I kind of I'm missing out and and uh, I'll be back even when the offer's not here. So I do think complacency is is something we've got to, have to keep a real eye on um, because you know particularly our members they proved um, how well they adapted their pubs to the guidelines, how well they took it seriously in terms of staff training. You could see that from the first person you met in the pub who knew exactly how everything worked, where where you would sit, where you would order, you know the route to get to the toilet if there's a one way system in place. And that just gave you confidence. And, you know, I, I, you know, I have not been anywhere where I haven't felt safe and secure with my family as well. You know, I've, I've got uh, two young boys and, and, and it is an important consideration because, um, you know, as we, as we talked about a little bit earlier, uh, this, is, this is a really serious illness. This is, this is um, you know, it's fatal and it leaves long-term health impact uh, to, a, to a, a lot of people as well. So, um, yeah, there's there's two things there. I think one is um, you know that whole stripping back, thinking about your offer. Um, I think you know your customers are with you. You know we did a lot of some research with Cam Media um, ahead of reopening um, on what were customers looking for, um, and people really wanted to get back to the pub. There's a you know affection in people's hearts for for pubs and what they stand for, and they were you know tolerant of changes. They they knew that was going to happen, and safety was one of their biggest concerns. Um, but equally, I think you know some of the the, uh, the really good operators that I've had the privilege of going out to see have uh, fully embraced that, um, stripped things back, but then done what they've done. Maybe less of it, but done it incredibly well. You know, and, and maybe that's that's one of the things that I think is has worked well, and I think others could um, take advantage of. Sorry for the brief interruption. I'm Alex, and I'm the founder and CEO of Engage Interactive. And we're sponsors of this fantastic Supersonic podcast, which I hope you're enjoying, by the way. If you're wondering who Engage are, then let me quickly clear that up for you. We're the results-driven digital agency for ambitious companies. And our unique blend of creative, technical, and performance marketing, coupled with an obsession for delivering quality, is repeatedly proven to increase sales and market share. We simply like to call this attention to digital. So if you're in a bit of a rut with your digital, looking for ways to drive performance from low-risk, innovative solutions to challenges facing your business, then just head over to engageinteractive.co.uk to read about how we've helped numerous global and challenger brands, from Whitbread and Jet2 to Bills and Yorkshire Tea, all succeed online. That's engageinteractive.co.uk. And now back to the podcast. We were over in the LOA and um, yeah, it was in the main good. Um, but there was just some real interesting things going on where it was it was just common sense. And I think, you know, it's a good operator training your staff well and, and your staff having that where, you know, the plexiglass was up or the perspex, but yet you would go to the side of that to have a, you know, close-up conversation with a customer who was sort of blocking a bottleneck to the toilets, you know, and that kind of stuff. It was just small things. And then... Um, or in a, a sort of more chain style pub or, or owned by a chain style pub. And um, everything was superb, you know, in terms of safety, track and trace, seating you, app, everything. But it took like over an hour for the food to come out and it wasn't even busy, you know? Yeah. I think there's two things as well that um, kind of struck me. As you said, you know, the uh, the measures, you know, we've been heavily involved with the guidelines. You know, we, we co-wrote um the protocols that we provided into government actually ahead of ahead of them uh, putting anything out on you know here's some really sensible pragmatic steps that we believe you know pubs can take 
uh, and can flex because every pub is absolutely different, you know, different layouts and, you know. But what, what was clear through that debate, one is that we were, I think, leading as a sector. But equally, we had a number of direct calls with the Department of Health and the senior officials there. Um, and they are, you know, in no doubt that they will take whatever action they see fit to protect the general public from this pandemic. So, you know, us playing our role around track and trace and adherence to the guidelines is absolutely critical. We just need to make sure we don't drop our guard on that. I suppose the other reflection was, I remember going to a UK hospitality event uh, many years ago now when there was a, there was a leading kind of um, uh, presenter um, and um, you know, thought provoker. And he talked about a simple concept about the death of mediocrity. And he oh. talked about a number of business failures over the years and, and you know, good, well-known brands um, that had failed. And really what was behind their failure was not that they'd had a chronic failure. It's just that they were only just good enough. You know, there, there was nothing defining. There was nothing to create, you know, screaming advocates of what they, they did. Uh, and his message was very much, you know, whatever you choose to do, and it doesn't have to be, you know, this expansive menu your expansive drinks list. Just choose what you, you, know, you want to do and do it incredibly well. So if you're only going to do cheese sandwiches, just make sure they're fantastic. You know, and, and, and that stuck with me, I think, you know, through the last, you know, 10 years, I think it was since, since I saw him. And I think that's ever true of where we are now. Um, we've still got consumers um, that are really pleased to be back in pubs. But equally, you know, before we went into the pandemic, um, consumers' taste was changing. Their expectation was changing. They want a great experience. They want different things. You know, I, as a beer drinker, want a great local beer. I want something that the you know the person behind the bar can can tell me about that, that was brewed within twenty or thirty miles of the pub. That that for me is what's different about pubs. You know, I can't get that from the supermarket. I can't sit in my back garden and get that. Um, so. Yes, I want, I want a great offer. I want it done incredibly well. And, and then obviously, you know, you can't create the atmosphere that our pubs give. You know, you're right on that. And it's, it's the 1%, less than 1%. You know, the people that have either got the best product and the best, you know, service and everything surrounding it. If you've got the best product, people will forgive you for the other stuff. You know what it's like with Apple. and But there's very few, Stephen, you know, that, that are truly up there and I get it all the things so I do these you know brand positioning days and value proposition days and all that and I've got a set of cards that I give out to people to see what their brand values are and the one that comes out more than ever every single one is best in class and I call bullshit on it where I'm just like not every person that I've ever met you know what a what a lucky job I have if every single brand I ever met was really, truly, hand on heart, the best in class, you know, and I was, I was on a call with someone the other day and, you know, they were talking about that, um, how, you know, it wants to be a bit of this and it wants to be a bit of that. And if it's that, you're already starting in a bad place because you can't beat what you copy. No, you, know, no. you can't. And so, you know, from that perspective, I think it's, looking for someone within your business or it might be used the business leader just being so obsessed about what they termed at prep the last 15 percent and it's what clive went on about all the time because what happens is everyone's celebrating at the 80 percent oh that was good enough job well done 
but it's the people that just do that extra 15 that, that really make the difference. But they're few and far between. I mean, obviously, we want everyone to be great and, you know, and all the rest of it, but we know so many aren't. So the thing is, after a crisis like this and the discounts are taken away and, 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 and some fall to the wayside and whatever, it will be the ones that are incredible that, that stick around and, and they'll, they'll have had that public support. You know, we've got a little microbrewery, micropub around the corner from us. And, you know, to look at, it's not like the most sexiest place in the world, but they've just stayed true to themselves. You know, they, they put craft beer on. It's never the same barrel twice. You know, they, after they're done, it's a new thing that comes on. So it's always, and they've just built up a local, local uh, you know, a good local reputation. And when they were closing, all the community got together to buy delivery beers from them. And it almost took them to what they were making from having the pub open. Yeah, absolutely. But absolutely. That, that, that's, that loyalty comes from, you know, true, deep, marriage style, I want to be with you forever, love. <laughs> like, not, yeah. uh, not, you know, a discount voucher or, you know, a room key for one night. You know, it doesn't work like that. I think, I think the challenge is, um, it's the power of the end, though, isn't it? Which is, which is, which is why it's so tough. I think now there's a there's an absolute minimum bar that that you would expect, you know, your food, your drink to meet. You know, that absolutely. I think the that whole death of mediocrity. You know, uh, we don't accept, and even if we accepted it in a in a you know a humble British way, we, we definitely don't go back if the experience hasn't been you know of that of that minimum. But the defining element for me, and it's the end, is the service, it's the connection with the people in the site. You know, when you when you're reading those fabulous reviews, Google reviews, TripAdvisor, whatever it is, when you see the the real energy jumping off the page, it's about the people. It's about the way that that, that team connected with you and made it something very special as an experience. And you have some great food and drink, uh, but but you know, very few where they have great food and drink, but the service was appalling. You know, it took two hours, or they ignored you, or that you know they didn't make you feel confident in the new world about the way that the site was operating. So it's, it's an incredibly tough thing to do as, as an operator. And, and you know, we, we see that. And that's why, again, from a BI perspective, we're very motivated to help them uh, in any way we can bring those two bits together. So that's sharing, again, you know, great ideas, best practice. And, and the other one is um, staff training. You know, if you've got less staff, um, really you cannot have a weak link now. In your team you need everybody to be performing to the best of their ability um so really i think training and development has never been more important and you see again some great operators who continued on doing you know high levels of engagement and training development even when they were closed because they absolutely understood the importance of having that great team hitting the ground running when they got reopened um and you can see it and again i'll, I'll pick on one example but uh chris Gumbrell with the browse and kitchen team um, they've got a real ethos um, of you know being team centred, making sure that the training and development and and you know that great hospitality experience is delivered, and it just comes through. And uh, you know, no great surprise. Right now, I believe you know they they reopened in a very considered way, but their you know their early trading um, looks being you know be incredibly strong. No, it's, it's good. And then you know, just in terms of what you've seen you know, during this time, do you have like some, a list of top tips or must-dos, you know, that, that 
you think that pubs really have to, pubs and bars and et cetera, you know, need to be doing? You know, is there a top five list? Yeah, yeah, I think I think there's um, there is a top five. I think there's a this is one of the challenges. There's so many things that you you could be doing, but the feedback from from our members on the most important things. I, I think there's something around getting your digital or your online profile properly up to date um, because you know people are seeking out to go to great pubs uh, and you know you hope you're going to pick up new customers that have never been to you before. So how do they find you? How do they have that confidence? Um, when they, you know, do that quick Google search on their phone, that you are open for business, that you, you know, you're a professionally run outfit, um, that you know, there's there's a couple of reviews on there that um, your customers have given over the last few days, saying what a great experience, you know, the, the whole family felt incredibly safe and secure, you know, all that kind of reinforcement. Um, and when I was uh, away in the lakes, it was quite frustrating. A number of uh, pubs, but also you know, smaller restaurants um, hadn't updated their profiles. You know, it still said they were closed. Um, there was no opening times. Um, so, so I think, you know, making sure people can find you and you give them a really good experience uh, and that confidence of, of what they're going to get when they get to you, I think it's key. Um, as a great operator said to me last week, you know, don't forget this is all about hospitality. You know, yes, it's about safe. Yes, it's about secure. Yes, it's about trading and profitability. But it absolutely starts and finishes with hospitality. The smile on the way through, you know, that that great um, service and attention to detail. So, um, you know, they very much centred their plans on that. Um, stripping everything back, I think the opportunity, a number of operators have fed back that they've had time to look at everything they've done. Um, if that's, you know, some of the material they produce within their sites and printing out things where, um, there was one operator that used to print quite an extensive menu because they had quite a large drinks list. Um, and they looked at that again and now put it all online. And they're selling more drinks across the full spectrum and they haven't got the cost of printing all that stuff out. So, you know, just looking at every single line item of your business and making sure that, you know, it, it's really needed um, because, you know, everybody needs to be leaned to, to come out fighting out at the other end of this as well. Um, definitely whatever you do, you know, think about how you can do it even better. It's, it's not rocky science and I, I get that. But again, I was with, um, um, uh, David and Mark, um, our licensee of the year winners last week. And, um, Mark is a, an incredibly proud chef and he, but he's, he's simplified his menu. He's, 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 you know, he's really, really stripped it back, but you wouldn't know because he's, he's really thought about how he could, you know, spin it up a little bit, give it a bit of a flourish, make it, you know, vibrant and exciting, but give him and his staff, you know, less to do, but still give a high quality, um, you know, result to, to his customers. And they're doing an exceptional job of doing that. And I had the pleasure of, of uh, eating one of his dishes. And I can assure you, it really was, you know, top restaurant um, standard coming out of a great pub, which is what we all love as well. So, you know, I think there are some of the, the key things. The other one is, and probably the last one is um, that whole diversification. You know, looking at the business model now and and, and seeing what else you could you could be doing. Um, and we've seen a lot of operators again diversify through necessity um, around survival. You know, keeping some turnover coming in if it's say takeaway, delivery, etc. Um, however, really thinking about um, you know could that be a viable part of their business moving forward? Um, you know, those operators now that have actually 
you know, ordinarily wouldn't have their kitchens open, you know, Monday through Wednesday because, you know, traditionally they perceived a lack of demand. Obviously, are in a very different position now, and some of them were sceptical of the, you know, the uh, the eat out scheme, but have looked at their business again and tried it, you know, and and it's working incredibly well, and it's and it's already going in then thinking about okay, so when the scheme winds up, is there a way for us to create something a little bit different uh, to try and get that 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 you know more capacity and more customers through uh, in those traditionally quiet bits of the week as well? So I think it's looking at your your whole footprint again you know it's outside of space there's been a lot of investment on providing covered outside space that's, that's more usable you know with our great british weather we're very fortunate right now it's, it's warm and sunny but you know that's not always the case so can you maintain that extra square footage when the weather's not quite so good and there's some good solutions that um you know a lot of our members have invested in as well so really you know, it's taking stock and we even got you know those that are starting to move into room lettings because they've had some underused accommodation within the, the footprint um, and they think actually right now staycation um, and the opportunity, could this be a time to get, you know, two or three rooms um, open within their venue that, that then could feed into their pub as well. So you can capture them for their evening meal, maybe breakfast service, etc. So, you know, really the feedback from our members is, is leaving no stone unturned and really having a, a fundamental relook at their business, recognizing that, you know, there is, uh, you know, every, every, I'm trying to avoid using the words, but I'll use it for this once reference mark, which is the new normal. Mm. Um, there's lots to think about, but they're probably my, my, my top five. And, and, you know, behind all that is, um, this is the time to really think about everything you do um, and, and reset it. From Supersonic Inc., this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. The Supersonic Marketing Podcast is also brought to you by Atenzi, the world's leading gamified simulation training provider. Even before the COVID-19 crisis, a LinkedIn study found that more than half of learning and development professionals were looking at remote learning solutions. Given hospitality's new reality, how do you plan to train your staff to accelerate your business out of these tough times? With Atenzi's gamified simulation training, you can accurately recreate the situations and environments that your people will face day in, day out to engage and rapidly develop their abilities. Forget static e-learning, dusty training manuals and passive videos and embrace training's new era with Atenzi. Find more information and get started today at atenzi.com forward slash restaurants. I do worry about the eat out to help out thing a bit. Um, just because like in my job over the years, you know, you've basically always been fighting against it, uh, discounting. And it kind of never leads to, a, it, the logic never usually works. You know, I hope it does in this case, but it was always, you know, give discount if you're having a refurb or you're opening a new venue or sales are down and then you'll get people in and then they'll eventually want to pay full price, you know, at some point in the future. And, you know, it can be quite tricky, um, you know, to, to sort of bring that back once you turn that tap off. So, you know, it will be interesting to see what happens and it will be interesting to see what people's strategy is to link the two things. We, we had a, a couple, they were fantastic finalists from uh, Life of the Year 
2019. So Victoria and Gavin Hunt from the Fox at Ling down in Norfolk. You know, rural pub, great food, great beer, um, but quieter um, in the early days of the week. And they just went for it. And they introduced a, a street food wagon to come on site. Um, I think it was on, on Monday or Tuesday and had great success. Really, you know, it, it created something really different that people flocked to. As, as you said, Mark, you know, you know, maybe, you know, avoiding discounting. And I understand absolutely your, your concern because you've seen it really badly backfire in a sense and devalue, you know, the experience uh, with a number of operators. But maybe doing something different. Maybe this is an opportunity for, you know, Monday through Wednesday to have a different offer. Mm-hmm. You know, have something fundamentally, you know, could, could it be a, a street food, a tapas? Could it, could it be something that is interesting and, and different to, if you like, the normal menu that the site would run? Uh, over you know a normally hopefully busy weekend. Well, I, you know, as I say, I really hope so. But I think the important point for brands or pubs or licenses or whatever is just how to link the two things into the you know the off period. You know when it when it gets turned off, and then what's that strategy leading up to Christmas? Um, you know, but for example, you know, using you know to help out to bounce people back, obviously through the next month, but you know. Are, are people selling Christmas yet? You know, because yeah. it was always the thing that, you know, you would do some sort of discount and post summer holidays anyway, because January and September were usually the, the rubbishy times, getting people back into that normal habit. Um, but, you know, it would be quite a, just, you know, I hope people are just making the most of it. But there's been some great examples out there and whether it has been some extra value uh, where they've been showing just amazing generosity. Or indeed, you know, you've you've had, you know, on the restaurant side, you've had people like Deshoom and Hawksmoor and things like that, you know, who are, you know, at the top of their game um, and queued out the door as it is, but they're they're just doing something extremely kind and generous, you know, all the way to the Bull and Ditchling, who's doing the street food thing as as well as, you know, the the Norfolk uh, team that you talked about. So there's some cool stuff. Um, I think it's just that, you know, don't don't do nothing in September, you know, don't, you know. Sort of just let the discount fade and and then think cross your fingers because it you know probably won't happen. Absolutely, and look, you know the other um, element to this as well is is around longer term government supports. You know, one thing we've been um, you know championing all the way through this is a, is a really strong right to see voice into government, and we've worked you know very very closely with the other trade bodies. So that's you know UKH, BBPA, CBA, Camera, Pub is the Hub, uh, and been you know meeting every week. Um, sometimes twice a week to make sure that we've got a really aligned and strong ask of government. Uh, you know, we, we're making very clear our points are different. You know, pubs are incredibly different in terms of what they do. Yes, they you know provide great economic value. You know, as you, as you know yourself, the average pub generates about one hundred and forty thousand pounds worth a year in taxation. You know, it's not a small contributor. Um, you know, employment value. You know, if it's nine hundred thousand jobs, you know, in the pub sector and the supply chain. You know, it's a big employer. There is something different about, you know, what pubs stand for. And, and it's been, you know, satisfying to some degree that government have recognised that, you know, to get hospitality and pubs uh, referenced so freely within, you know, be it the Prime Minister or the Chancellor um, has been really, I think, testament to us making sure we've had a single aligned voice into government. So, you know, the next stage of that is with us. You know, we're looking ahead now to the um, the autumn budget and making sure we've got a very coherent set of um you know investment and stimulus that we believe we need um so 
you, you know, the areas we, we're talking about are things like, um, you know, could we have a, a longer term extension of the VAT uh, cuts? Because we think that would be, you know, hugely important to sustain hospitality and pub specifically, you know, over the medium term. Um, clearly, we would have liked the VAT to apply on alcoholic drinks as well. So, you know, that's a, that's for consideration with government um, to bring more of our, our members fully into play. Um, licensing and planning reform, you know, we're seeing um, quicker turnaround now with um, sites able to use, you know, car parks and, you know, pavement spaces and things like that. And then there's things like business rates. You know, we're looking for a, a further extension of the holiday till April 22. And a fundamental reform of business rates, as you know yourself, it's, it's a very unfair taxation. So we've got a, a very clear set of asks. You know, we've been very specific on what is different about pubs and why they deserve the support. So, you know, we're hopeful he's listened so far. You know, we, we've had some, um, some wins, uh, but there's more to be done. And, and we're working together very closely to make sure as he's drawing his thoughts together uh, ahead of the autumn budget, uh, that he's really thinking about, you know, uh, ongoing support for the pub sector. Have you ever figured out why the UK has got this pub culture and not many other places have? It's a really interesting question. I, I, was at, I did a, a podcast for um, some American colleagues um, a few weeks ago, and they were intrigued. Um, they were asking me about the British Institute of Innkeeping. My response was, um, you know, innkeeping has been a, a professional trade since the Roman times. Mm. Um, and it's been something that was very special and unique. The, the inn was the place that you went uh, to rest on long journeys for you to look after, you know, stable your horses, stop there for the evening, you know, have great food and drink, speak to the, um, you know, the, the publican or the obviously innkeeper back then um, and, and get an update on, you know, you know, what was going on in the world. You know, it, it was not a transactional activity. It wasn't going there just for a quick snack. It was something far more integrated as an offer um, and, and absolutely enriched with hospitality. And I think it is that third place without being too cliched about it, you know, between office and home, you know, and, and it is unique. You know, where else can you go in, a, in an incredibly, um, uh, you know, accessible way into a venue where you could just go in, read a paper in the corner, sit at the bar and have a conversation, obviously in old, in old times, not right now, but, you know, to talk to the, the, the person over the bar or go in there to, you know, celebrate, commiserate and everything in between. You know, everybody absolutely loves the pub. You know, I think it's, I think it's enshrined within us and it's within our DNA. What we've got to make sure is that they love their pub, yeah. their local. And that's, that's absolutely key. So we've got to make the connection. We've got to use that um, that driver around wanting to support the Great Bridges pub and get them through the threshold of their local uh, and make them long-term um, supporters and customers of, of those outlets. And, you know, now's the time to absolutely, you know, to make that happen. What about the BII and you for the next wee while? So, you know, what are you going to be concentrating on and, and focusing on for the next sort of 12 to 18 months? And what about the BII as well? What's your plans for that? Yeah, so it, it, it's going to be uh, a, a number of key activities. One is, obviously, we, we're going to continue to make sure we're providing the support that most matters, um, you know, at the different stages. So, obviously, we're incredibly busy during lockdown around taking advantage of government support and how do you do that and how do you register and, and make sure that money was flowing in. 
clearly, you know, getting the doors open again, the guidelines, track and trace, all those type of things as well. And I think right now, again, taking advantage of, um, you know, the government schemes um, on, um, you know, obviously the incentive on Monday through Wednesday. Um, and, it, and it is supporting our members thinking about their businesses to sustain them through the next couple of months as well. So as we said, that um, promoting that diversification, those great ideas, that little thing that might make the big difference. So, you know, we'll keep our energy on that. We'll keep checking back to our members to make sure, you know, what we're putting out there and helping them with is, is relevant and valued. So that's going to be quite key. So we'll continue checking in with them. Um, undoubtedly, there's going to be additional things that we need to develop. Um, I think staff training and development is going to be, you know, a really important thing going forward more than it's ever been. So making sure we've got incredibly well-trained, engaged um, staff throughout um, throughout our pubs, front of house and back of house, because um, right now we're probably going to have less of them and, you know, every team member really matters. Um, equally, we want to make sure that, you know, when our business gets back on its feet, um, that we're attracting the very best, the very talented, you know, the most talented into our industry and showing them that a career path here is a great place to, you know, you can come in at entry level, you can, uh, you know, learn some incredibly um, useful skills uh, and complex skills if it's chef if it's you know uh, front of house and everything in between and it's a great place to build a career you know and 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 as we said right at the start we've got some fabulous you know young operators who've done exactly that and we need to i think demonstrate that and bring that you know um bring that awareness to the to the wider uh, british public because there's going to be a lot of displaced people um, through this pandemic, and if we can get our pubs back on a on a sound footing, we can play our part in uh, in employment. So I think that's that's going to be another um, a key element as well, and also supporting them. You know, um, we want um, individuals to come and join us at their first stages of their career. You know, we we don't just support licensees with all the complexity they have to manage, but but being you know that membership organisation that they they proudly want to join as they enter hospitality and stays with them through their career and, and provides that, that valued support, that network um, and, and those services that, that really help them power through and meet their potential. So we've got plenty on the plate. We've got, we've got, we, you know, we have got plans. We are absolutely, you know, to take a, a word from earlier, we are not complacent. Um, you know, we, we are very conscious. It's an incredibly dynamic environment. Um, and, and engaging our members on a day-to-day -day basis is absolutely key to what we do. Um, as I said, government support is absolutely needed and we'll continue to make sure that there's a really strong in an independent licensee voice getting to the heart of government as it has throughout this pandemic. Um, because, do you know what? Our sector's worth investing in. You know, it absolutely is. Beyond the economic recovery beyond jobs, it, you know, you go it's all the way back to your question about what makes pubs so special, because they're they're the lifeblood of our community, and and th and that's worth protecting. Okay, well, just before you go, then a few fun wee questions, Mark, yeah. Ken, that we do at the end. Yep. Um, so, sort of quick fire, just to see what you think. So, best city to eat in in the world? Oh dear me! Right uh, in the world, but if, uh, if, it, if it's UK. I'm a bit, I'm a bit torn. Uh, you know, I don't want to be the obvious candidate here of saying London because there's such diversity down there, and uh, you know we've got some great operators. 
but you, you can't fail to have a fabulous experience. Uh, equally, Leeds, I'm a big fan of Leeds. Um, uh, I think the, the craft revolution that's gone through Leeds in food and drink and beer and the vibrancy that they brought into the city, uh, that's definitely a, a, a real uh, you know, a favourite to go to for a, a long weekend. Nice. Martin, Martin from Ark will be pleased you said that. He'll be really <laughs> Um, Martin's menus are excellent, by the way, so I have no problem with uh, yeah. Um, and then best restaurant. Well, a bit, a bit of a bit of a cheeky one, but you know you're gonna have to forgive me for this one. Um, I would say the railway at Loudon, which oh. you know what, because it's a pub, but it's a pub that just does exceptional food. And and Mark is a is a great chef. He's he's uh, cut him in half, and it's it's absolutely embedded. He's just. A chef, everything you know, he wants to do. He's constantly thinking about innovation, great food. So, and you know what? I would rather eat in a great pub than a great restaurant. So I probably, I probably get shot by some restauranteurs, but that's that's, that's the way I'm wired. Um, and then, well, best pub if it's maybe more wetland. Have you got one that's a real favourite on that? Yeah, I've got, I've got a few. I'm very fortunate in Derbyshire that we've got a you know great set of rural pubs, um, and you know I try and always plan my uh, my cycling training around uh, a pub circuit so there's there's, there's plenty around uh, there's a great one um which is the the dog up at thorpe um uh, it's a free house got some great beers again you know there's always a story there's a local brewery on the bar um and you know when i've done a few miles having a a nice uh, pale or golden ale always goes down well and there's, and there's a great little bottle shop in my hometown of ashbourne as well um the house of beer um, you know, a great couple that run it. They've got some fabulous beers in there, and I'm, I'm always having a voyage of exploration around the different brews. But they have a, a, a tap um, and have a fabulous set of diverse beers, really interesting, you know, everything from low ABV up to some more interesting levels of ABV. That, you know, but you can have an incredibly pleasant afternoon and evening um, in, in, that, in, the, in their company and get a bit of an education at the same time. So there's a couple of favorites, but, you know, I'm a um, I always feel terrible when you ask me that question because I feel like I've done a great disservice to all the, all the other great pubs I love as well. And what about your best dish then? Um, you know, would that be linked to your best restaurant or is it something different? I, I think, I, think I, I, I swing between two extremes. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a steak fan, so it's got to be a, you know, a good ribeye and keep it simple. I, I love that. But equally, um, I, I, you know, I don't tend to cook a lot of fish at home, um, although I went on the course many years ago I think unless you're doing it every day, it's, it's, quite, it's quite a tricky one. So I always take advantage of having a great piece of, of fish when I out. And actually, when I went to see uh, um, Mark at the railway, uh, that was uh, it was cod that day and uh, with some uh, beautiful chorizo, uh, potatoes, bravas with it as well. It was just stunning. Excellent. And then best drink? Hey, look, it's got to be a pint. And, it, and, and that's going to where it stops. I'm... Uh, I'm through this lockdown, I've been very fortunate to have some uh, some good friends that I've hooked up with most weeks on Zoom, and we've run a few uh, beer oh, tastings. Seen that? Yeah, I think I've seen that actually. Yeah, so we've had a, we've had quite a few. We've had uh, uh, good friends from Brewdog, Beaver Town, uh, Little Beer Company, Unbarred, um, Wadworths. So we've had a real spectrum of beers, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm probably still challenging myself to find one I genuinely don't like. With that way, yeah. so. Um, I'm, 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 get, I'm getting quite into the hop forward, you know, American style, you know, IPAs at the minute. That that's, seems to have found the, the sweet spot. And obviously, 
chilled in the current environment as well. So you're going to keep trying on behalf of all of us to try and find a bad one, is that your? <laughs> well, not a bad, not a bad. Hopefully, not a bad one. We don't want any bad pines, but let's <laughs> say a pine that, that's less to my uh, my taste buds, I, I suppose. But uh, yeah, you, you give me a good pale gold nail IPA, something like that. Yeah, it's uh, it's what keeps me going when I'm when I'm pedalling away on my uh, my mountain bike, uh, and uh, unfortunately for my sins, I did a slightly longer one and I'd done 25 miles and and uh, it was the it was the pint with the, the little droplet running down the outside of the glass <laughs> firmly fixed in my head to get me across the line nice great okay well listen I'll let you go and uh, you know go and enjoy the sunshine and, and finish up what you're doing it's been so great to you know just meet you lately in, in general and, and have a good chat and, and catch up a couple of times in a few days and, you know, I just wish you well and I wish your organisation well and I wish your members well. And, you know, hopefully they'll, they'll get something out of the podcast. Absolutely. That's great, Martin. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for your time. Great. All right. I'll just go and double check. I hit the record button and then that'll be us. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Take it easy. What a lovely and switched on human being Stephen Alton is. I've been really lucky in the past few weeks to get to know him a little bit better and I've really enjoyed our conversations. Stephen and his team are obsessed with the industry and I think that we all feel so lucky to have Stephen and his team fighting the corner of great British pubs all across the UK. So thanks to you for that. Thanks to you for listening. We're seeing a real increase in listens and downloads since lockdown happened. So please do keep subscribing, sharing, rating and reviewing. Plus a massive thanks to everyone who gets in touch weekly with their kind words of feedback and support. Thanks so much. Massive thanks to Engage, our headline sponsors. Just a reminder, if you need anything digital, from apps to websites to SEO to social media that will cut through, all that stuff, please get in touch with our founder, Alex, on alex at engageinteractive.co.uk. That's alex at engageinteractive.co.uk, and he'll sort you out. Thanks also to BDO, our premium partners, for supporting the show all the way since its inception. And in these challenging times, if you need advice, guidance, planning, anything like that in terms of your business finances, looking at your options to upscale or tighten things up, do get in touch with Peter Hemmington, who is the national partner of m and on peter.hemmington at bdo.co.uk. That's peter.hemmington at bdo.co.uk. Lastly, thanks to Gaz and Gabby for putting the podcast together each week. I really, really, really appreciate it. So this is me, Mark McSee, signing off from another Supersonic Marketing Podcast. Bless you. Thanks for listening. And I hope that this episode gave you lots of value, ideas, and inspiration that will really help your brand boom. Boom.